After what was a pathetic offensive performance for West Virginia on Saturday, the Mountaineers lost 60-53 to Texas Tech. West Virginia shot 432 from the field in the second half and shot under 25% from the field for the entire game. The Mountaineers were without guard Tad Sherman, but that didn't matter as West Virginia lacked an offensive identity and could not get anything going. West Virginia is now at the cellar of the Big 12, sitting at 2-7 in conference play and has lost 7 straight games. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. What's going on, everyone? Wesley Shoemaker, Quinn Burkett, Aaron Parker, back with you with the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. West Virginia loses in an ugly fashion, losing 60-53 to to Texas Tech this Saturday. Time check, it is currently 5.45 p.m. on Saturday um, here in Morgantown, West Virginia. So let's get right to it. West Virginia's offense was horrible, terrible, any synonym of those words you can put it. Mountaineers shot four of 32 in the second half. They shot uh, one of 13 from beyond the arc in the second half. And for the game, they shot under 25% and shot exactly 25% from three with five of their three-pointers coming in the first half. Fellas, um, I think if the three of us threw up three-pointers every single time we touched the ball, we might have a higher percentage than seven percent from the from beyond the arc in the second half how are you guys doing and what are your thoughts on this game aaron go first is it baseball season yet uh baseball season is it football where's daggy give me daggy back that's who i want back my thoughts are is it baseball season yeah not not good um you know mountaineers only offense was Jalen bridges and he scored zero in the second half so that pretty much uh, tells you all you need to know about the Mountaineers offense today. It's very, very ugly. Yeah, it was pretty abysmal to watch. The uh, the first half was all right, but then second half, the, the shooting just went nowhere. Um, I think Sean and JB got really engaged early, but besides that, there was not much going on. Um, we brought in Polycap, who tried to – he rebounded some, but he didn't – um, make the full impact, I think, Huggins is wanting him to. That was uh, not the best performance for the Mountaineers, too. Yeah, let's start Let's start back at the beginning. Let's go to what we learned. Uh, about an hour before the game, uh, we learned Taz would not be playing. Obviously, it was somewhat expected after he came off the concussion uh, against Baylor on Monday. You saw West Virginia kind of go to a taller, bigger – uh, starting five. They usually run three guards with Taz, Keedy, and Sean, and then run Isaiah and JB as your two forwards. Today they threw in Polly, Polycap as their uh, third forward, bumping Isaiah. I mean, bumping JB to the three, Isaiah to the four, Polycap at the five to start. Um, and I think it kind of worked. Um, rebounding. It was close. West Virginia only got out rebounded by six, and I think that was kind of the goal when you put in a polycap into the lineup, but it seemed to be working early. West Virginia got out to an 11-2 run. Their defense was making plays. Their defense was active. Um, Sean was making shots. JB was making shots. And then you kind of saw that offense fizzle out towards the end of the second half, and then it was just not there in the second half. Yeah, honestly, going into this game, I thought it would be somewhat of a story, kind of like the game in Lubbock, you know. WV can they'll come out to play, but you know, they'll probably get out physical and out rebounded. Like you said, the only guy out rebounded by six 
it was just such a bad offensive game to where, I mean, Gabe played pretty well with 13 boards, eight points, but he shot one for eight. Malik Curry, one for eight. Um, Sean McNeil, four for a million. I mean, it just wasn't there. Um, I don't know. It looked like it was there early, like you said, 11-2 run, and it just it fizzled away, and they never they never found it, unfortunately. Yeah, as much as bad it was for West Virginia, um, Texas Tech, I mean, they didn't play crazy, crazy good. I think West Virginia just kind of let them have their way uh, offensively and defensively. Um, JB really stuck out to me in the first half uh, with his three-pointers. Uh, I think West Virginia has a tendency and that I've noticed to get a couple, a few scorers involved early in the game and then keep trying to go to them the rest of the game, and it doesn't always work, which is why um, other guys are forced to get involved. And, I mean, you still you tell guys like Kobe Johnson, um, he got a crazy amount of minutes. Malik Curry played – he played 19 minutes. Um, so that was a lot of playing time for him. And I don't know – I haven't seen James, James Aconquo, uh in a while, and he was on the court for a few minutes tonight. Um I think it's just not knowing what this team is, even though we're in February. I think we do. I um, think I think we do know what this team is. I think this team is not a tournament team. I think this team is a team with zero offensive identity, and I think this is a team that relies on two people to carry their ball club. When teams have started to lock in on those two guys, they're a team that is not a, that is not together. That does not play well together that does not mesh together they are a team with multiple individuals not as a team and i think you saw texas tech as a team beat west virginia's individuals tonight yeah and like like quinn said yeah, sometimes it tends to go where wv will get a, a score involved early and then they just try to go back to them and back to them but with no taz sherman and sean mcneil playing really bad hoisting up shots that weren't going in it was jb so if you're looking at it from a scouting, um, a scouting report perspective, you got one score out there, and that's JB. And he's just throwing up threes, and they're all going in. Well, the halftime report's going to be, guys, like, let's get on Jalen Bridges, stop him, and force the other people to shoot. Um, which, look at the guard play. Malik Curry, one of eight. Um, Kedrian Johnson, two of five. Just, just was not good. Kobe Johnson didn't do anything. And the interior play is abysmal as usual. So – once they started locking up Jalen Bridges, that's, you know, Mountaineers were done for. Yeah, let me read you a quote from Huggins. Uh, this was on JB and Sean and how those two kind of found success in the first half and in the second half just weren't there. Quote, yeah, they guarded him. He was talking about Jalen. They were trying to use, uh, use two at a time. They chased him and Sean. They chased him and Sean and basically dared our other guys to beat them. We had opportunities. I mean, four for 32. If we shoot 50%, we win going away. Sean made the early three plus one. They chased both of them. They needed to switch. They'd switch. They didn't really pay attention to the other guys. They were hell-bent on making sure those two didn't beat them. And I think that is perfectly um, – that is a perfect representation of what happened. You saw Sean and JB find their looks in the first half. You saw them make shots. And then in the second half, you saw them deny, deny, deny. Then you saw Texas Tech basically say – all right, Gabe. All right, Malik. All right, Keedy. Make a shot. You win the game. But we don't think you're going to make a shot. And sure enough, they didn't make a shot. Yep, and that's the correct scouting report. You got to give some credit because Texas Tech is one of the best defenses in America. But it was more of just WVU having no offensive weapons. And once they started locking down JB, that was it. 
Um, I just – I. Yeah, I kind of wondered why why Seth Wilson didn't get it. I know Hugs mentioned in the post game it's like, well, who are we gonna sub him in for? He's not a point guard. You know, agreed, but you know, nobody's making shots. You gotta keep Sean in there in case he starts getting hot. But who else is making shots? Because yeah, it wasn't Lloyd Curry and it wasn't Kedrian Johnson. To that point, it was baffling to say the least that for the past since Baylor, all that was said was. We're going to start getting these freshmen in the game. We're going to start getting these freshmen. Not, not, not talking about a conquer. I'm talking about the three guards. We're talking about Kobe Johnson, Seth Wilson, and Jamel King. He's harped on. These three guys are our shooters. These three guys can shoot. These three guys can help carry us offensively. These three guys can help make shots. Did Jamel t- King touch the floor tonight? No. Did Seth, Seth Wilson touch the floor tonight? No. Mm-hmm. Did Kobe Johnson play more than 10 minutes without Taz Sherman? No. So when you say you have guys that can make shots and then your excuse is they're too small in a physical game, that's just, that just, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to brag about these guys and say, all right, we're going to give them a shot, you throw them into battle. You've you lost six straight coming into this game. It's not like you've got anything to lose. The only you're at the bottom of your season. You're now two and seven in Big Twelve play. You're at the very bottom. People look forward to playing you, and then you won't put in guys that you say all week will help you win. It just baffles me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think this is a tournament team right now, Wesley. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. The uh, there's so many guys that are, given that are given opportunities, and they don't look like Division One basketball at least shooters. There are only 12 – Texas Tech only turned it over 12 times, and we only turned it over nine – West Virginia only turned it over nine times. Uh, that's – that's go, that goes to show how bad of shooting it really was. Um, just below below 30% shooting, that's not going to win any games in the Big 12. Um, it's not going to win any game ever. I don't think you beat middle of nowhere state if you no. shoot four for 32 in the second no. half. Nope. No, it, it's a, it's pretty abysmal. Um, and they're, you know, they tried with the inside presence with Polycap, and he would get some rebounds. But Gabe was really still, what I, from what I saw, Gabe was still the only presence in the front court uh, that the Mountaineers have, and that's still very concerning for this team. Yeah, I want to give Gabe his props, man. It was every single time down the floor on defense, he was going left wing to right wing. He would play – he would move left, right. He'd go after every ball. He'd double everything. He'd then switch everything. He'd go after every rebound. He'd box out. He'd go after loose balls. He was playing his absolute butt off. There was a point – I want to talk about this in the first half when West Virginia kind of went on that run that I think it was like a 10-0 run to kind of go up nine. It was a it was really good team defense, I want to say. And I think it started with Gabe. Um, Gabe was active. He would change, he would let he would pick up whoever had the ball from half court and then kind of move him move them into a trap area. You guys kind of know what I'm talking about, right above the three-point line on the wings. And then they'd start switching everything. And then Gabe drew a charge on the next possession. He would get a big rebound after big rebound after big rebound. And then when he goes like if he makes one shot, all right, like it's 
I bet I wonder what goes through Gabe's mind when he plays his absolute hardest on defense and then he gets rewarded with his team going four of 32 on offense. But at the same time, he had he then had to put the ball in his hands because he was like, if no one else is going to do it, I might as well try. And he went to the line and knocked down six to 10 free throws for a guy who's not known for making free throws. Yeah, I felt like he was obviously one of eight's not good, but. I felt like he was his effort was let down a little bit. Just like one point in the game that really got to me was late. I think it was in the last like three or so minutes when WV was trying to make a comeback. They were down three. And I was like, you know, if WV wants to have a chance, they need to get a stop and get a three or at least get a quick two. They get a stop. Gabe gets a tough rebound in the post on the low on the low block. And WV starts to go down the floor and Keeter and Johnson just gives the ball right to a Texas Tech defender. And there was no not even pressure applied. Yeah, I wrote that down, too. It was 340 remaining. Gabe goes to the line with West Virginia down five. Keep in mind, Gabe had just scored West Virginia's last three points at the line. Gabe goes for a one-and-one, makes the front end, makes a second. West Virginia, steal, can't convert. Sean McNeil, steal, can't convert. And it wasn't like there were opportunities there. It was they were running themselves into bad shots bad looks, and they just couldn't create anything. And I think that's the theme of this team for the last seven games is that when you need a bucket and you can't have Sherman go get it because he's either being face guarded, double teamed, or he's not playing, who do you turn to? And this team has tried to turn to, I think, everyone, and they've tried to run every set, and they've tried to do so many different things. And it is not working. And you had two trips down the floor against the number 14 team in the country on your home court with the opportunity to tie and then take the lead. And you failed on both trips and then shot under 25% from the field in the second half. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the offense, it's been the story of the whole season, a stagnant offense, an offense where you see a lot of standing, a lot of bad shots, a lot of turnovers a lot of oh you know the ball's got to go up there's two seconds and we're all double team kind of thing it's just been a bad offense um plays have not been run right um you know looking at it I think I think maybe I think maybe Hug should bring in somebody with more of an offensive mindset just maybe even a like a assistant coach or a GA or something um like the team last year had Juwan Staten on the bench Juwan Staten knows a thing or two about you know, getting shots up and, you know, dishing the ball out. I think he helped guys like Deuce McBride and, and Tads get better. I know he was just a GA last year, but some, I don't know. I think Hugs needs to bring in um, a new voice just as far as running plays on offense because it's been bad and it's been all season. It's been bad. Yeah, the, like you were saying, Wesley, the transition for West Virginia has been nowhere to really be found. I mean, between Gabe rebounding and – Running it, running it down the court, whoever passing it off to either Sean or Malik. Um, Texas Tech did have some good – did have some guys step up uh, on defense. I'm, I'm not going to take a lot away from Texas Tech. Um, I mean, Davion Warren, he was there a lot on defense. Um, and I think he had, he had a few uh, big turnovers in the game. And that was on transition, like you were saying. Uh, that's just ugly basketball. That's – that's peewee basketball, in my opinion, and that just needs to be cleaned up um, for Huggins. And that's a straight transition. Um, 
I just think the transition game is not there at all right now. I think this team has searched for answers on defense. I think they've searched for answers on trying to get rebounds. I think they've searched for answers on trying to not turn the ball over. And I think they've searched for answers on trying to run more efficient offense. And I no longer think that this team can make fixes as much as I think it is who they are. And it is how long can they hide their weaknesses against teams during stretches of games. And when they hide those weaknesses, how long can they then execute on offense and defense to try and steal a game? Because if they don't go beat Iowa State, if they don't go beat Kansas at home, if they don't go on the road to Stillwater and win there, they're not unless they win the Big 12 tournament, they're not making the NCAA tournament. And for a team that started off as hot as they were, and for a team that was 12 and 3, I believe at one time, um it's just 12 and 2, 12 and 3, something like that. It was 12 and 3, I think. Somewhere there. A team that starts like that, and now you're 13 and nine. Um, it's just it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating for fans. I know it's frustrating for Huggins. It's frustrating for the players. But there, it's gonna there's gonna have there's gonna be some wholesale roster changes next season. And uh, does Huggins go after the transfer portal? I don't know. He hates the transfer portal. That's what we found out. He doesn't like it. Um, I also think some, I want to, I want to talk about this. One of the reasons he doesn't like the transfer portal has to be because he knows he failed at the transfer portal. He, I think he sees other schools have all this success, have guys that transferred in and are making shots, playing deep, playing well on defense. And he went out and got three guys in Curry, Polycap, and Devon Kerrigan that have not been as good as advertised. And I think that has hurt him. And I think he is realizing that. And I think that is one of the reasons why he is now against and is talking out against the transfer portal. Thoughts? Yeah. Hugs is a very old school, old school coach with old school mentality. And um, yeah, it hasn't been a success this year. Um, you know, polycap between polycap and Kerrigan, if you gave them 10 contested layups, they might give you one, they might make one or two. They're just, they're, they're not good enough. Curry's shown flashes, as we know, but you know, I think I think maybe Neil Brown talked about it because it's kind of the same with football. The the rosters you just got to look at at a one year thing as a one year deal at this point. It's not you you have your guys for two or three or four years. No, it's a one year thing. So yeah, I do think Huggins kind of swung and missed on the portal this year, but you know, if he wants to keep coaching, I think he's got to go back to the drawing board because, like I said, it is a one year thing. And now that Taz and Gabe are going to be moving on, he's got to go back to the drawing board and really, really got to dig deeper and be a lot better in the transfer portal because there's other coaches, other young coaches like um, Iowa State's coach, uh, Porter Moser at Oklahoma. They know how to work the transfer portal. And so Hugs is going to have to keep up after the season ends. Yeah, you talk about the transfer portal, Wesley, and you bring it up. Um, and like you said, Aaron, Huggins is a traditional coach. Uh, but I also think about chemistry when I think about sports in general, just how teams are gelling. Um, if you have a backcourt duo like JC and Dex Miles, like you've had in the past, and it just, I mean, there's not, there's not a whole lot of leadership on this team right now. Uh, and there's not a lot of gel, I feel like. Um, 
Well, it, I don't think there's I a think lot that's of what a big, big... three guys that are getting big time minutes that haven't been here. And I think that's Huggins' point is that you have three guys that keep getting significant minutes and they haven't run this system before. And so we're throwing these guys into big 12 play against the top, like Texas Tech is a top 15, top 10 team. Like you're throwing them against a team like that with guys like Shannon and McCuller who've been there, done that. Like, it's hard to win. Like, and I get, I get it. Like, Texas Tech's a good team. But West Virginia did everything and had every opportunity to win this game, and they just didn't. Sorry to interrupt you, Quinn. I just had to say that. All good, Wesley. Yeah, I just just think the chemistry is very lacking. Um, Obviously, we bring a lot of guys in, and a lot of them can't produce at the level that we want them to in the Big 12. Uh, I mean, the Big 12 is asking for a lot. And I know Huggins likes to get some JUCO guys, and I wonder how much of that really does play impact and what kind of things Huggins is telling them and practices uh, and, like, helping them progress to the next level. Um, Obviously, Huggins has been a good coach at developing players over the years uh, and pushing them farther and farther. But I, besides guys like Taz and Sean and Gabe this year, I'm not seeing that for the rest of the team. Yeah, um, lack of chemistry, lack of playmakers, lack of a lot of things, I think, is the storyline for the last month. Um, one question I do have, I kind of want to, I think this can start some good conversation. Obviously, you can't borrow different, um, different like situations. You can't borrow what if this happened, what if this happened. But West Virginia was without Tasher. And I just kind of want to get both of your guys' thoughts on if Tash Sherman plays, do you think West Virginia wins this game? That's a tough question. Part of me says yes, because it's like, well, the Mountaineers lost by seven. Well, <laughs> and they shot, you know, four of 32 in the second half, 15 of 62 overall. If Tash Sherman's in there, yeah, the shooting percentage is going to go up and you'd think you would get more than seven to propel WV to a victory. But I don't know. The way this season, the way this seven-game, eight-game stretch has gone, I think WV finds a way to lose either way. So, I don't know. Part of me thinks if Taz is in there, he goes off for, you know, 17, 18 points, and WV wins in a close one. But, you know, I don't know. WV's found a way to lose seven straight times. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think it would open more things on offense if Taz was obviously playing. Um, I don't think we would have won. I think that the, the terrible shooting still would have been there, and I don't know how much Taz would have obviously helped that. Um, but you got to, I mean, you got to move the ball, and that's really how you score. Um, and I just, that's lacking right now. Yeah, obviously, as Huggins said in his post game, if Taz is there, you don't shoot 432 in the second half. But then Jalen's at the four. You got all these different things that then change off of that. Do I think Taz gives you seven points? Yes. Do I think it's a different type of ball game if Taz is in there? Also, yes. Um, This was a very grinded out defensive, who's going to be more physical at the end of the day kind of game. And do I think Taz, when this offense is sputtering and just needs to find a shot and find a look, can just chuck something up, put it on the rim and, hope for a rebound, a foul, or even for it to go in? Yes. But do I think they win with Taz in there? I'm going to say no, because the rest of the team played horribly. 
Obviously, though, if Taz is in there, JB gets less of a um, less of a eye from the Texas Tech defense, and Sean gets less of an eye from the Texas Tech defense. But I don't know. I just this team is. I just they're waiting to win one game, and I think it's going to snowball for them after that. But they just they can't pick themselves up enough right now to get that to get that one win that'll I think propel them. And I think that's going to be the end-all, be-all story of the season. Yeah, I agree. It's just been so – getting that one win has just been so elusive here over this last month. And, you know, they are right there against Baylor and couldn't catch a break. Taz got out, came out. It's just they lose in different ways. Oklahoma shouldn't have been a game they lost in, in any situation. And they came out uninspired and play their worst game of the season, arguably. And then there's other games like Texas Tech on the road where they come out, they fight, they hang with them, and then they just – the wheels fall, fall off at the end. And, yeah, they're just – it feels like they're just waiting to get that one, but with each passing game, there's always a reason why they're losing and they're always finding a way to either, A, shoot themselves in the foot or just, B, not come out and play. And today they came out and played, but they didn't come out and shoot. Like, they couldn't shoot. To, uh, to save their life. So I don't know. They're just waiting for that one win and it's just not coming. You use the word frustrating, Wesley. And I was thinking the exact same thing um, <laughs> yesterday before the game. I was thinking it during the game today. Um, I mean, everyone around this team just has to be really, really frustrated with how they're performing. Um, it's, I think it's really inconsistent on offense uh, scoring the ball. I think. Like today, you saw, I mean, we get out to an 11-2 lead early, and that's a lot of momentum in the first half. Uh, but then it just sputters off, uh, and by the second half, you're down again. Um, and I think this, I think, I don't think the team can play a full um, 40 minutes right now, um, especially with Taz not on the floor. Um, and I think it's just hard for, what this team has right now to play a full 40 minutes uh, of both offense and defense. This team does not have anything that complements something else. Um, this team does not have a rebounder that then complements a three-point shooter. This team does not have a shot blocker that then complements having more ball pressure. This team does not have two things that go together that then help you find ways to win. That's a problem. Going back to your frustration, Quinn, Huggins is beyond frustrated. And at the end of his his last little uh, couple minutes of his post game today, he kind of he kind of put everything out there. He said, "I have tried and tried and tried to tell them to do this. I've tried to tell them to do that. I've tried to tell them how to rebound. I've tried to tell them how we're going to switch to stay in front of people on defense. And we've done it over and over again, and it's just not happening. I think that frustration is creeping in." Earlier in the season, we heard Huggins saying, this is my fault. I'm going to have to get them better. I'm going to have to teach them. And I think he has exhausted almost all different avenues to get this team to where they need to be and to try and put this team skill set wise in an area where they can compete. And I just don't think they are listening and responding the way Huggins had envisioned. And I think that is what is also causing some of these losses and frustration is that Huggins sees it one way and they are not executing the way he sees that. And I think that is leading to seven straight losses. Yeah, it's a problem. Um, you can't, at this point, you just, you can't change stuff overnight. 
you can't you can't make the interior game good overnight. You can't make them run the offense like he wants them to run it overnight because it's it's a problem every single game. The interior game is a problem every game. Turnovers are usually they were it wasn't a problem tonight, but it's usually a turnover. It's but the turnovers, turnovers that did happen were a problem because yeah. they would lead to Texas Tech running. They would lead yeah, it always leads to a run out. It always happened at the worst times. Yep, all that stuff is just you can't change it overnight. Um, and that's why I think this team is an NIT team because they're still trying to find that win. I, you know, they're going to get it at some point, but at, you know, here soon it's going to be too late. You're sitting at 13 and nine at this point, and you still got teams like Kansas. You still got road, you, got, you still got Big 12 road games to go at Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, at K State, TCU, both times, you name it. And I just think it's, it's, almost at the point where it's too late and all these mistakes that we keep going over, it's just not going to get fixed overnight. So it's going to be lingering. Yeah. I think what's more concerning is a lot of these problems were problems before the first game took off, uh, including, I mean, I remember Huggins way back talking about the defense and where it was at beginning of the year. It was not nowhere near where he want, where he wanted it to be. And, Everyone knew coming into the season there was no in, there was not a lot of inside presence besides Gabe, Isaiah, JV, guys like that. Um, and I think that these issues are still lingering is uh, telling of a team that hasn't gotten better since the season started, um, and a team that is stagnant right now um, and doesn't yeah very stagnant. Going back to Aaron, how you said this road doesn't get any easier when you're searching for a win. Baylor just lost to Kansas by 25. Um, West Virginia just lost to Kansas, to Baylor, excuse me, by four. And you welcome Kansas into town two weeks from today. And what is a must win? Like, you've got to win the rest of your home games if you're West Virginia. I know we've been saying for the last three weeks, it seems, oh, this, this game's a must-win. This game's a must-win. This game's a must-win. Well, sooner or later, you're going to run on must-wins, and sooner or later, your opportunity is gone like that. Um, yeah. You've had That's the it. opportunities. You've had Oklahoma at home. You've had Texas Tech at home. You had a top-10 team at your place today who scored only 60 points, and you lost the game. It's just – when you need a win and you have the opportunity to get multiple wins over this last seven, over the, over these seven, I think West Virginia could have easily won three or four of these games. And if they're yeah. three and four in this, in these last seven, they're in the tournament. Yeah. But now instead your backs are fully against the wall. You're in the basement of the big 12 and you're facing more question marks than you have answers left at this point. Yep. And um, you know, teams are good. Kansas, is, you know, just smack Baylor by 25. Every team's good. We start using the transitive po property. I mean, Oklahoma State went to Baylor earlier in the year and beat them. And, you know, like, could this WVU team go to Stillwater right now and beat an 11-11 Oklahoma oh. State team? I don't think they can. Can they go to Kansas State, who's not very good, and beat Nigel Pack and company at their place? I don't think so. Um, that's why it's just, it's just, it's like you look up and it's just, I don't think it's going to end. 
because these teams are so competitive, because these teams are so good, because anybody can win on any given night. And if you get the best from a team like Texas Tech, Kansas, beating Baylor by 25, yeah, I mean, good luck. Good luck picking up that all-elusive all uh, win to get off your, your losing streak. Yeah, the Big 12 is the uh, – this conference is hard enough. And I think these – a lot of – like I was saying earlier, Huggins brings in Juco guys, and I don't know. I just don't think they're really ready to play against Big 12 guys. Um, you just have Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas, like you guys were saying, uh, just the talent in this conference alone uh, for any team, really. I mean, imagine if West Virginia – Let's not say the ACC. Imagine if they went to the Big Ten. They would probably have – I don't know. I'd say the Big 12 is the toughest conference in America. If you go to any other conference, you'll have at least a little more success. Yeah, yeah. Big 12 is the best. I don't think it's really a question. Like, if yeah. you go if you go play Penn State and Maryland and Rutgers a couple of times, like, I don't know. You, yeah. I feel like you can grab more wins there than – There's simply no bottom feeders in the Big 12. Well, and, no, there is. There is bottom feeder. And it's, well, right now it's the Mountaineers, yeah. There's no bottom feeders if you're looking at it from a Mountaineers perspective. And and when you take it to the Big Ten stuff, those teams you mentioned are bottom feeders, and you can go out and get wins, and there's just no easy wins. We, have, we, we do have a little bit of good news on today's podcast. Um, West Virginia is set to welcome what's going to be an unranked Iowa State team to town on Tuesday. Iowa State just lost by 23 – 22, excuse me, to Texas. Iowa State, hey, scored 41 points tonight against Texas. So um, maybe West Virginia should have just played Iowa State today and put Texas Tech on the schedule on Tuesday. But looking at the Big 12 standings right now, fellas, um, things are not pretty. Um, you have the number 20 – the number 20th ranked – the 20th ranked team, excuse me, let me learn how to speak real quick, um, in the country, who is the second-to-last team uh, – win-loss record-wise in the Big 12, and that's Iowa State. They're three and seven in conference. West Virginia is now two and seven in conference, as we mentioned before. So where do you think this team gets a win? Do you think – I don't think Tash Sherman comes back Tuesday, guys. Do you? Mm, I don't know. We'll have to see. He was on the bike. That is good news, though. He was on the bike pregame, so he yeah. was being active. He was be able to be on the bench, which means it's not so bad, but – Obviously, we don't know if it's, like, what kept him out, if it was they wanted to keep him out for precautionary reasons or if the concussion was so bad. Obviously, he didn't practice all week, so there's that component to it, too. I just think getting him back at this point is going to be what makes or breaks Tuesday, what makes or breaks next Saturday, and what makes or breaks everything after that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Iowa State, you know, they're going to fall on rank, but – Talking about a team that's you know they're still good they're they're sixteen and seven they've had good non-conference wins at you know Xavier they beat Iowa beat Memphis on the right I know Memphis hasn't been good but they you know they've proven that they're a good team they they've proven they've got scores um, you know I tend to think that WV will get off the losing streak against Iowa State I've just I've just had a feeling about it um, I think Taz maybe plays a limited role I don't you know I don't know this this is just my guess but um, you know if WV comes out uninspired and loses another one at home in a big opportunity game with Iowa State, they might not win another game the rest of the season. I think, you know, I think Iowa State is going to be a win. And if if they come out and get thumped, then they're just packing it in at that point. 
Yeah, I think Iowa State needs to be a priority uh, because, I, like you said, Aaron, uh, I think this is one of the last winnable games this season, especially with the way the team is playing right now. I hope that Taz is back uh, by next Tuesday. Um, and I think if people pack the Coliseum and it's loud for Iowa State, um, West Virginia could come through. Yeah, 7 o'clock game with a reeling team on a Tuesday night just might not give you the atmosphere you're looking for if you're West Virginia. Um, hate to say this, game balls, I'm going to go Gabe. Even though he didn't shoot well from the field, he was playing his hardest the entirety he was on the floor. And one thing we did not talk about is he was on the floor for, let me look, let me look, let me look, 32 minutes. You know why? He didn't foul. He had no fouls in the first half. He stayed out of foul trouble, and that has been huge for him. That has been huge for West Virginia. Um, one of the couple of reasons why they haven't been able to close out late recently is because he hasn't been on the floor. When your best defender isn't on the floor because he's fouled out or he can't be because he's in foul trouble, helps other teams and hurts you. Today he was on the floor as much as he possibly could have been, and I think that was big for West Virginia. Game balls, guys? Um, I'm going to go – you're just dying to give JB a game ball, aren't you? You know, JB, for, but 16 was great in the first half, but I had a feeling he was just going to come out flat in the second half. You know, I got I got no game balls for the Mountaineers. It's just that bad. I'll go McCuller. He had 10 and 9. Um, he played well. I know there was two other scores that had more than him. I'll give it to McCuller, and, you know, nobody could ever do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll go JB, uh, Wesley. I mean, this is – Stroke, I mean, if he's feeling it, I think the Mountaineers should uh, be passing it to him. And I think on a night like tonight, um, at the three point line, he does compliment McNeil well. But like we've talked about for the past few minutes, um, you just have no, not a lot of other scores. Um, so JB, I mean, he's been playing well lately. He played 37 minutes tonight. Um, and I think if he keeps it up, um, West Virginia shooting could improve. Especially with Taz coming back. To your point, Quinn, JB wasn't horrible tonight. Um, he he went 0-3 in the second half. Um, didn't turn the ball over in the second half, which is a plus. First half, he went 5 of 8, 4 of 5 from 3, perfect from the line. Like, when, when he goes 5 for 11 and 4 of 8 from 3 on the night, like, you're going to love it that. Like, that's yeah, that's good. It's just – Obviously, we know the story. The, sto- the story is bigger than the box score, and the box score says JB shot well from the field, but it all came in the first half, and he needed him late, and he didn't get it late. Um, anything else from this pathetic performance from the Mountaineers, guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, I had been predicting that JB would, you know, get off his slump, and he did. Yeah, I thought he played a, a great first half. I just, you know, the he didn't play bad in the second half. Why he didn't have a point, but just the I, I just can't give a, a game ball to, you know, the 15 of 62. I'm just grouping it as a team at this point. I know I know, I like the way JB played in the first half, but 15 of 62, that's that's utterly embarrassing. Hey, one more thing for me. Points in the paint, 10. Um, you're yeah, never going to win a like ball. like less than 10. 10 points in the paint. Um, it seemed like less than 10. And it seemed like a couple of those might have come in a little – on guards – getting to the hoop instead of our mm-hmm. bigs going off the top. Anything else from you, Quinn? No, nope. let's just hope for better. Uh, I guess I will stay on Tuesday. 
Well, I don't and let's hope that let's hope that Taz is back and healthy. Yeah, I'm not sure if this offense can ever look any worse. So that is all from us. If you've made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. West Virginia once again loses 60 to 53 against Texas Tech, drops to two and seven in conference play, dead last in the Big 12. Uh, we'll give you something maybe prior to Iowa State. If not, we'll see you at post-game Iowa State. Once again, this is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Quinn Burkett and Aaron Parker. And thank you for listening.